Welcome to the Improve 81 podcast series. I'm Ken Slack, Communications Coordinator for the VDOT Stanton District and for the I-81 Corridor Improvement Program. Um, I'm joined here today by Dave Covington, the I-81 Corridor Improvement Program Delivery Director, as well as Aaron Smith, who is a project manager for the Digital Message Science Project. Uh, I'll let you guys introduce yourselves further. Aaron, tell us a little bit about uh, your role in, in, in the project. Oh, yeah. Thank you, Ken. Um, my name is Aaron Smith, and um, I am the project manager, uh, construction manager over the digital message sign. Um, I've got a crew of uh, three additional inspectors and a bookkeeper that um, is helping me pretty much manage everything um, all the way through the whole entire corridor. And we've, we've, uh, we've been doing, doing some great work out there. I'm really excited about where things are going. I'm excited about uh, the progress we've made up to this point. Excellent. Dave. Yeah, thank you, Ken. And as you mentioned, I'm uh, the I-81 Program Delivery Director for VDOT. Um, What does that mean? Uh, I'm still trying to figure that out exactly. (laughs) But um, really, I just kind of oversee the entirety of the program from the capital projects to our operational projects. And, And this is a good example of one of our really important operational projects that that is being delivered right now to provide some some early results in this program. Now this uh, this particular project you call it operational but there is still some serious construction here. We have uh, about 30 of these uh, signs that are going up and down the Interstate 81 corridor and people know these things. They see them if they drive up and down 81 or 64 or even some of the primary roads of, of the Commonwealth, but they may not realize what what kind of an asset this is as they drive past it, and it gives them this vital information. So maybe a good place to start is to explain what the digital message signs are, what they do, and, and why they're so valuable. Yeah, so the digital message signs, everybody is likely familiar with them. They're scattered all across the state, generally on interstate highways. And they allow us to really communicate with drivers in real time. So what do we mean by that? And what we mean is when we have an incident on the interstate, our traffic operations centers, we have eyes on the interstate generally through cameras or um, our safety service patrol operators that will um, communicate that there's an incident. And we can very quickly put a message on these digital message or message signs to inform drivers that there is some sort of incident ahead and maybe some course of action. It may be to detour off onto an alternate route because this is a serious incident with overturned tractor trailers. It's going to take quite a while to clean up, or maybe it's a minor incident that people just need to be generally aware of. For instance, some um, you know roadside hazard, a, a, a disabled vehicle on the shoulder. Um, people shouldn't necessarily change their course of action other than to just slow down and be aware of that situation. And we're able to change those messages very, very quickly as, as incidents um, evolve through the recovery process as well to, to really keep drivers informed. And then we're also able to reach drivers to share messages uh, reminding people to slow down and obey the speed limits. Uh, or, you know, if it's through a construction zone, we can you know, make drivers aware that there is a reduced speed limit through a certain part of the interstate. And we've seen uh, safety messages, um, sometimes letting people know about inclement weather. I've seen amber alerts on these uh, message boards and uh, travel times as well, letting folks know, you know, 
this key interchange that's so many miles ahead, it's uh, also this many minutes ahead. So it gives uh, this, like you said, real real time and information. It, Absolutely. it gives confidence yeah. to the drivers that they're going to reach their destination in time. Now, as far as the construction of these signs go, um, we have multiple crews working on these in multiple locations. This has got to be really challenging to uh, <laughs> to coordinate this project. It's been a challenge, just the the linear, um, I guess, distance between each sign. Uh, we're starting out at the 319 going all the way down to mile marker 74. So hundreds of miles of construction. Um, the, the way we decided to do this in the beginning was kind of start north, um, installing infrastructure, conduit, junction boxes, and have a crew that was dedicated to that. And then they continuously work south uh, at the various locations. And then we had another crew come back and start putting in the foundations. And we did that in the same way. We basically went south from that. And now we're actually getting into the steel erection where we're, we're putting in the, the actual upright steel that's going to hold the sign and the, uh, the, the structures themselves. And so that, again, is going to continue from north to south. Um, the last step, of course, will be pulling wire and uh, actually installing the signs, and that, again, will be from north to south. So it's kind of been like an assembly line, um, if you will, set up from the very beginning of this project. And we've, we've hit a few snags. We had some weather conditions that gave us, you know, a little bit of a, a delay, but um, that's kind of how the contractor uh, wanted to tackle this. And, and we agreed early on in the stages that that made the most sense uh, was to try to get, you know, each site worked on sequentially down the line. So, but there has been quite a bit of, um, you know, foundations, uh, there's, you know, varying in sizes, uh, depending on soil conditions per site. Uh, we've had some right away restrictions that we've dealt with. Um, and then just, uh, you know, general, you know, rock, things like that. So it's, it's, it has been challenging. We're going through many different counties and a lot of the soil conditions change. So the contractor has to be very well equipped to, you know, switch up from rock to dirt back to rock. So those are some challenges that we've had, but they're, 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 they're moving right along going south. And, you know, obviously the utilities is a challenge. It's always a challenge. And especially with this many sites spread out over this amount of distance and challenging access conditions. So and there's been a lot of coordination with the utility owners to try to get power to these sites. Similar uh, challenges that we had with the uh, the project to add the um the traffic cameras along the corridor. I mean, you're talking about a 325-mile stretch of interstate and letting people know because there are people who drive that entire stretch. They might be going from out of state and going through Virginia all the way and, and uh, giving them, as you said earlier, that confidence that the information they're getting at milepost 74 is going to help them make decisions when they get up to um, you know mile 300. Maybe that's a good, uh, a good transition time because Tell me a little bit about Dave about the decisions about where to place these to you know strategic locations that they made the most sense for travelers. Yeah, the ID one program really has been data driven, and what what we've looked at for all of our projects is where are we having crashes, where are we having congestion, where where do we seem to have problems? So the the I-81 corridor improvement plan, which was the predecessor to the program, it is what helped the legislation pass and for us to get funding to do this work, um, really looked at that data. And that's really 
how the decisions were made on where to locate some of these signs. I also want to mention that not all of these signs are on 81 itself. You know, a lot of these signs are located on the roadways that feed I-81, so at at these interchange locations. Because if we have an incident on I-81 in close proximity, we would rather those drivers, and I'm sure that they would rather not (laughs) enter the interstate and then immediately realize they're in a traffic jam and they don't know how long they're going to be in it. So we can put messages up to prevent people from getting on the interstate and they can select alternative routes. But again, the locations were really driven by data, um, which which is is good because it, it allows us to make the most use of the investment, the monetary investment that we're making on the corridor. That's you mentioning the signs that are located on the on the feeder routes. Uh, you know, for example, Route 250 in the Stanton area, Route 33 in the Harrisonburg area, you know, 522 in the Winchester area. It's one of my favorite parts of this project is that it gives people a chance to make a decision before they commit to the interstate. I think all of us at some point in our lives have seen a time where, you know, you start to get on the interstate and there's traffic that's you could see it down at the end of the ramp and it's stopped and you're committed. Or you see people, even worse, backing up the, the wrong way down the ramps and, and causing all kinds of safety issues. So it's, it's, it's really nice to see you know, the, the off 81 uh, improvements as part of this as well. But um, the, and, and you were talking earlier, Aaron, about the, uh, you know, the, some of the, the challenges of this. Not too long ago, we got a chance to see how big these, these structures are. It really surprised me. It's um, give us an idea of the, of the of the scale of these things that uh, the people are looking at as they drive up and down the interstate. The <clears throat> the signs that we're, we're installing on eighty one itself is they're they're almost thirty feet uh, long. They're roughly eight feet high, uh, tall, and about four feet wide. Big enough um, to actually walk inside of. Has a door on both sides of it. Um, and the ones that we're doing on the feeder routes are a little bit smaller because of restrictions of right away, things like that. Plus, the speed is not as, as great on, on those secondaries. Are, and so they're about 13 feet um, wide and roughly the same height and the same width, but they are considerably smaller in size. Um, <clears throat> so, yeah, that the, the challenge is, is, you know, getting these things, getting the 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 position of the foundation to where it's, it reflects, you know, the view from the traveling public. Uh, that, that was one of the challenges of, of just being able to find that kind of right away uh, on some of these feeder routes because we, we were very restricted. Um, so, you know, the location, like David mentioned, uh, you know, w- we did our best to try to put some in, in other locations, but we just couldn't find the right away. And, and, you know, so we had to make some adjustments and power was also a huge issue. Um, you know, we, we would have liked to have put some signs in certain areas on the interstate, but we just didn't have power in the area. And to be able to bring power to that sign structure just was unfeasible or it just was impossible because the providers wouldn't even, you know, talk to us about it. So we had to make adjustments. Even after we decided where the signs would go, we still then had to coordinate with the utility companies in the field um, to, 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 to nail down the exact locations. You mentioned some of the, the challenges with weather and so forth. Uh, but we are still on track to get these things up and running by this fall, correct? We are by on fall track. of 2020. Yes, yes. We are, we are on track for an October uh, end date. 
And um, I feel confident that the contractor has the means and the method uh, to, to make that happen. Um, so as we continue to go south, of course, in the Bristol area, uh, you know, we're going to start seeing some more rock similar to what we did in Rockingham County. So I expect things to slow down a little bit. But like I said, this contractor has the means and the method to to step it up. Um, you know, if they if they start getting concerned at this point right now, we don't we don't see any reason for concern for our for our end date. And we just recently experienced this. You know, we had weather delays. We had some inclement weather over the winter and in working with the contractor, what, what they elected to do was add additional crews, add resources to get back to where they should be to make sure that we're on schedule for that completion date in October of this year. You meant, uh, yes. Who is the contractor that's working on this, this uh, project? <clears throat> Richardson Whalen Electrical. They're based out of uh, Roanoke, Virginia. And they will be utilizing um, digital traffic system DTS as a subcontractor for the programming of the signs. And I believe we have a little bit of guardrail once we get down to the southern end uh, that they will also be subbing out. Um, but yeah, Richardson Whalen is the prime. And like I say, they have a lot of resources to tap from. It's a fairly large company, uh, been in business for over 100 years. So we, we feel pretty confident that they will be able to provide the, the crews necessary to complete. Looking forward to but, it. But like I say, even, I mean, some of the delays that people don't really think about <clears throat> when it rains for three or four days, we have snow events. Getting one of these large trucks off the shoulder without getting it stuck is a challenge. And we're crossing the ditch lines and, you know, we're, we're having to do so. For instance, you know, we, we had one truck trying to set a piece of steel and it took four days <clears throat> because the truck got stuck. And then it was the decision was made. Do we drag it? Do we make things worse or do we leave it? And fortunately, we were behind barrier and out of the clear zone. So we were able to leave it. But the majority of these sites are, you know, fairly fairly close proximity to the interstate. So it, it's, it presents a challenge when we have weather, even if it's not necessarily raining, but if it's rained in the past week or two, it's it's just a challenge, you know, in general till the ground dries. You mentioned these sites being close to the interstate, but uh, at least to this point, the traffic impact during this construction has been relatively minimal, right? Absolutely yes. We have we've limited. Uh, we we haven't had any lane closures, uh, shoulder closures at this time for everything. So um, and <clears throat> we're we're really only allowing the shoulder closures uh, Monday through Thursday unless it is requested to do Fridays. So, but that is um, basically a decision uh, that the district traffic engineer and the ACE over this project make together. Excellent, Dave. I think a lot of folks that uh, that rely on the 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 digital message signs, you might sometimes wonder where, where do those messages come from and how does this, how do these tie in with the traffic cameras and safety service patrol? It's all kind of part of the operational improvement package. Uh, tell us how it all kind of fits together. Yeah, I, I, there's probably a lot that I can tell you. I think that Aaron might be able to offer a little bit of information there too. But, you know, we have these traffic operations centers and we've done a video and podcast about our traffic operations center and our customer service center to give people kind of a look at what's really going on behind the scenes. But we've got an entire division that's really dedicated to operations. And a lot of that is messaging, you know, coming up with 
you know, what information do we want to share? Um, some pre-programmed messages that, that are pre-approved because we do have to comply with Federal Highway Administration's messaging policy on the interstate. So we have a lot of pre-approved messages that that we've really developed over the years because we've seen a lot of incidents on the interstate. And when we do have that incident and when it's localized here, for instance, on 81 in the Stanton area or Roanoke area or, you know, Abingdon area, for instance, you know, we have people at the traffic operations center that can quickly craft that message from previous experience and then access these digital message signs remotely and push that message to that sign. And it's extremely beneficial, again, for the incident response. It's critical for us to have that ability to alert the public to what's going on. You know, not only do we want to alleviate congestion there through that messaging and push people to alternate routes, but there's a safety component there too. You know, what we have a lot of times when we have incidents on the interstate, a crash, for instance, are secondary crashes. And then beyond that, we have more crashes. So I think that pushing that message through the digital message sign to the traveling public, they're aware of what's going on. They're more cognizant of their surrounding. They're more aware of how they're driving. They slow down. They say, okay, I'm in congestion. Here's the reason. When you don't know why there is congestion there, that's what leads to frustration and sometimes some aggression by drivers. So I think that, you know, there is there are teams in place that are really controlling what what we're pushing out. But um, I think it's it's really kind of a dynamic situation that we're responding to what we're encountering and it, and it's challenging. Well, and, and even the placement of these signs you know, has something to do with uh, with those decisions that we make and some of those pre-programmed messages. You know, we know that there are particular areas that, you know, like 81 and 66 come together or, you know, 81 and 64, or particular high traffic uh, interchanges. Um, so how does uh, how do we craft those messages to make sure that it's, it's relative and, and timely to somebody who's, who's approaching one of those areas? There, there is, of course, like Dave said, the Traffic Operations Center manages the signs. Um, there is a, a, a DMS messaging policy um, that, that provides the guidance basically on how the message sign will be used, what messages will be broadcast. So there, there is some oversight, I guess. There's, it's more or less like a um, directory that they would go through to, and now that we have we're increasing these signs, like you say, in different locations. I'm sure that they'll start amending the that directory because, you know, for instance, if it, it, we we haven't had the ability to say, hey, exit at this ramp in close proximity to a sign, so now we'll have that. So that's probably going to be a message that will be added to that predisposed uh, directory. But there is a policy in place that governs that and provides guidance. Uh, to the operation centers uh, of how they push those messages out. And I think Aaron just said something really important that I want to make sure everybody hears and understands. Those pre-programmed messages um, also help eliminate human error because we have humans at the traffic operations center. They hear that that a crash is at a specific location 
And they're quickly trying to remember what is the closest exit and what are the challenges with using that exit and where can they get back on the interstate? So there's a lot of things going on that, that you know, literally could be going through somebody's head that that directory or that pre-programmed message is, is really critical to that specific location. Gotcha. Keep somebody from accidentally typing 313 instead of 213 or True. something of that right. nature. Yes. Right. Yes. Now, so it's it's all about letting drivers know what's around the bend, so to speak. Um, and, and, and a lot of our operations, are it's, it's about reaching out to folks, making sure that there aren't any surprises. As you said, it uh, cuts down on frustration and potentially aggression. But when we do have incidents, people are aware of what's on the road ahead of them. They can make better decisions before they even get to the interstate in some cases, or if they need to, you know, exit the uh, exit 81, they can do that. Or if they know that uh, this is just a lane closure, I think I'm going to stay, but I understand that it might take me a little bit longer. But um, so we are getting, I guess we're, you know, to, to wrap this thing up, we're probably about halfway through, I guess a little bit, a little bit past halfway through construction of this. Um, we, uh, it's about a $9 million project. Is that correct? That's correct. Mm-hmm. How does that break down? We've got construction and obviously some right-of-way involved in that. We have construction. Um, we have some oversight involved. We have uh, the, the power companies, you know, that was, that was something that we had to program some money for because, in the, you know, they, they weren't necessarily going to tell us exactly how much it was going to cost per site. Uh, so we had to, to put some money aside for that as each, each one of these that we go through. Um, you know, the, the sign is very um, energy efficient. Um, so it doesn't utilize a lot of power. And, and you would think that, that that's a good thing. It's a good thing for our monthly bill. But when the power company is looking at how much it's going to cost to bring power to the site, they prorate that off of what the revenue is going to be generated. And so we're, we're in a very, you know, our kilowatt usage is going to be extremely low, you know, on each one of these signs. So the power companies, you know, will will base that uh, fee off of a load letter that we give them, basically saying this is what we anticipate how how often the sign will run, um, you know, and stuff like that. So we program some money for that. Um, so yeah, but the the overall, I think we we're right at nine million for construction oversight and, and power hookups. Hey, and looking for completion in the. October of October 2021. October. Yes. You have an actual October 28, 2021. October 28, 2021. If it's the 29th, I'm going to be upset. Yes. <laughs> I can almost picture Dave standing there with some sort of uh, like a, a like an iPad type device in his hand, and he gets to push the button on October 28th yes. to put all of these signs. I will certainly in. let Aaron push the button. Yeah. <laughs> Well, Aaron, Dave, I thank you both uh, very much for, for sharing this information for us. Uh, it, it's, it's a vital project. It gives folks uh, real-time information as they're driving up and down the interstate. And it's one of those projects that, uh, as you've said before, Dave, it, you, we get a lot of bang for our buck with this. It's, yes. a, in the scheme of things, a relatively inexpensive project that has a, a great deal of benefit for the drivers along the Interstate 81 corridor. So uh, be looking for these signs to go into operation uh, just you know, several months down the road and, uh, and, and for serving for many years to come and improving the uh, traffic along the Interstate 81 corridor. Thank you, Ken. Yes, thank you, Ken. Thank you, Dave.